Welcome to the MMA Roadshow, episode number 207. I'm in merry old England. Jolly old England? Merry old England? I would say jolly old England. Jolly old England. I yeah. think so. That's a, that's a little more proper. My name is John Morgan, the voice you hear beside me, the lovely and talented Simon Head. What's going on, brother? I'm reeling at being called lovely so I'm early in the podcast. You, man. This is I early know. in the day. You can tell the cocktails have started flowing early <laughs> this evening. Uh, but should say we got a full house as well. MMA Junkie Pear over there. Uh, bartending while he also processes photos, so he's helping it up. Our man Kamikaze, Abby Subban, he's over there as well, working on a little preview show edit. So we got we got things going on. It's happening right here in the Canary Wharf section of London, which is where the O2 is. The 11th time the UFC is coming to London. That's crazy. That has you know what I, I I'm about to say that has to be. I probably should have looked it up. That would have been the responsible thing. That has to be one of the most hosted cities. Outside of Las Vegas. It's got to be, isn't it? Because you think when they go to Brazil, they tend to move things around yeah. a bit. The UK have had shows in different areas every now and again, but they always come back to London. It's a big market for them. It's an important market for them. It's all, it, I think we had a couple of years where we didn't have a show in London, but generally it's become like an annual staple. Mm-hmm. This this sort of weekend, this sort of time of year, UFC likes to, likes to come and uh, put a show on at the O2. And the O2, I believe, is the most... Um, the most in-demand venue on the planet, right? Um, in terms of advanced bookings, you you know you need to plan this stuff years in advance. In some cases, which is so, why they tend to do the same week. So if anybody's ever wondered why they do the same week, it seems every year, yeah. that's why. Which, by the way, uh, not that I'm trying to you know toot my own horn or anything, but, but go uh, ahead anyway. Well, two things, two things I should say. I actually, I'm saying I'm not trying to toot my own horn. I'm about to go toot toot. I'm about to go twice. But a uh, we are sitting down on a Thursday night like we always do, and it is my birthday eve. Tomorrow, Friday, March the 15th, which is when most people will be listening, I'm sure, is my birthday. Turning 41 years old, just getting old AF. Uh, it's but still younger than me, so you're all good. There you go, but still younger than Simon Head, so that's what matters. Uh, but yeah, it's funny. My wife was kind of cracking up a little bit. That uh, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of birthdays out here in recent years because they've kind of t- dialed in this week. So, so I keep uh, I keep spending uh, birthdays out here, which I, I will not complain about. It's a, it's a fantastic. I mean, London is a phenomenal town. I will say I got a funny note back from home too that uh, my son is apparently really sad that I'm going to be missing my birthday, and so she's trying to explain to him that like, no, he's he's going to celebrate just fine over there. Oh, in yeah. England. We're the ones that will miss his birthday. But I thought that was so sweet. My little six year old son is sad because I'm going to be gone and I'm going to miss my birthday. And I don't know if you're prepared to share this information so early on in the podcast, but. It's kind of appropriate that you're celebrating your birthday. Well, here, that right? was going to be the second toot right there, so we'll just roll right in. It's a home game for me. You guys thought Las Vegas was home game for me. No, 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 no. This is a home game for me. This is the, the, the birth of my people. It's not the birth of me. It's the birth of my people. No, it's uh, – so I, I'll share some insight that I've shared with these guys off the air, but uh, I, I'm adopted. I, I don't know if I, – I, mean, I think I've talked about it before. I'm cool with that. You know what I mean? I'm adopted. Uh, so I, I don't know a whole lot about my ancestry or, or anything really about my parents or my family or anything like that. And so my wife for a Christmas present decided to do uh, 23andMe, you know, one of the genetic things. Um, of course, uh, that now means if I ever murder someone, I think, or whatever, like I'll automatically be caught because I believe they just basically send your DNA straight to the cops as well. But whatever, hopefully I'll, 
I'll never find myself in that position. Well, that's a feel-good story. Yeah, that's how we do. Toot, toot. We have just tooting my horn here. Just tooting my horn. Uh, But, no, uh, so it came back 99.6% European ancestry. Uh, So me and Mike Perry don't share something in common there. 62% British and Irish with the number one most highly likely match of my DNA found in Greater London. Welcome. In Greater London. Welcome home, John. Welcome I f- home. It feels good to be home, man. Just yeah. to be back with my people, man. I can connect to my roots. And it also explains your, uh, you know, your 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 prodigious ability to consume alcohol. There, you know? Well, listen, I had some ties to Scotland as well, uh, which I will I will definitely take them up on their drinking abilities. Uh, there was there was Belfast in there, so uh, the Northern Irish get get down with the Irish. But yeah, the the UK is a pretty much a a frosty beverage type of mark. I would say so. And, and and to mark the occasion, we're drinking Belgian can lager. That's how we do. <laughs> That's what we do. That's how we do. All right, let's get into this card. It is UFC on ESPN Plus 5, Till versus Masvidal. Um, a lot of people, and, and I don't mean just UFC people, uh, I mean I'm talking about you know fans, I'm talking about media, is basically saying the best card the UFC has ever brought to London. And, and with 11 cards, I mean uh, – that's that's a that's a bold claim, but I'll tell you what, there are some great fights on it, and uh, and we'll definitely talk about them. But you have to start with the main event, man. Darren Till versus Jorge Masvidal, um, a fight that I'll be honest with you, when they announced it, I was excited because of course you go, oh that's cool, Till Masvidal, like that wasn't really a fight I was thinking about, but that's dope, I like it. But after we've been here on the ground this week, man, and talking to these guys and getting a feel for them and being around them. I am pumped up for this fight, man. I feel like the energy that they're both bringing, it's, it's I don't want to say old school MMA, but it's just there is no trash talk. There is nobody posturing over anybody else or social media posts that we're talking about. It's just two guys that are saying, I love to scrap, I'm ready to scrap, and I'm going to go put on a hell of a fight on Saturday night. I don't know more you could ask for. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of trash talk. We've seen... A lot of stuff that's crossed the line over the last 12 months or so. I think uh, if you look back at the history of the UFC over the last year, it's been dominated by by negative headlines that have stemmed from trash talk that's gone too far. Um, what we've got here are two guys who are more than capable, if they decided to, to, uh, to trash talk. They're both certainly articulate enough to do mm-hmm. so. They're both smart enough to do so. But they don't need to because they're both as legit as they come. Um... There is a, I think there is a knowing respect between the two. Yes. You know, BT Sport uh, shot a really nice, and it, it's very cliched, the old head-to-head across the table. Right. I can't, what was the title? I can't remember what they called it, but uh, Dan Hardy was yeah. the mediator. And yeah, it's been done a million times, but right? It, what, but it's normally, cool. Normally, it's cool. they do that to bring out the trash talk. This was noticeably different because they weren't remotely interested in trash talking each other. Like, Darren Till was like, yeah, I want to knock his head off. And Masvidal was like, I like that. That's it. I like that because I'm going to try and do exactly the same. And there's that, it's just that respect between the pair of them. And what you've got, you've got this young hungry lion who had his first crack at the world title, fell short, was humbled against uh, against Tyron Woodley. He's now on a, he, you know, he's now looking to bounce back. There's a new champion at the top of the division. The door might be open for him to get back in there pretty quick. And then you've got Jorge Masvidal who, you know, he's been in there and competed in the cage 45 times. 45 times, which is a remarkable thing in and of itself. But in those 45 fights, he's been stopped by strikes once. Wow. 
once in mixed martial arts with those little gloves on, that's a guy who knows how to handle himself in a fight. And I think what we're going to find on Saturday night is a really, really interesting clash between two guys who predominantly like to stand and trade. They know each other's strengths and weaknesses, and, that, and neither one of them wants to go to the, the scorecards. Till doesn't because he wants that, that uh, landmark win to try and get himself back up to the top of the division. Masvidal doesn't want to go to the cards because he, he's had bad experiences of going to the cards on yep. foreign soil before. So I can't see this being anything other than a spectacular striking match. I love it. Let's start with Till because, uh, okay, Till lost to Woodley, lost badly to Woodley. I mean, Woodley dominated him. There's no question about it. Till that night, I thought, in Dallas was was – Man, just oh, I I love talking to Darren Till, man. I feel like yes, there's some bravado there, but it's not this false bravado. It's just just it's it's self belief, you know what I mean? And it's 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 driven determination to succeed, and I like it. It feels genuine to me, and it, it doesn't feel over the top. And I, but he's honest as well, you know. He he said that night in Dallas, you know, he, he talked about how how hard it was and how frustrated he was with himself, and the haters came out. Immediately, and and I I kind of understand why. I mean, Till did get that that quick push, but I don't blame the USC for that quick push, man. You this this sport, it is hard to get on a long win streak. You know what I mean? So when you get somebody that has some marketable value that is on a win streak, I have no problem with you getting behind them. But that's the thing: if you're willing to take the spotlight, you got to take the backlash as well when you don't deliver, right? I mean, that's that is why Conor McGregor kept building and building and building. I think because half the people wanted to see him get his ass kicked, right? Yeah. Um, so I understand why people turned on him, right? But it was the, the interesting thing was, you know, how was he going to react? How was he going to deal with things? And I got to say, in being around Darren Till this week, a couple things. First of all, physically seeing him, he looks different to me, and. Yes, he has a haircut, and that probably factors into it. Yes, he's gotten some new teeth, so that factors into it as well. So, I mean, yes, there's all that. But he looked – his body, the shape, the chemistry of his body, man, it looks different to me, um, which I think is a great thing, right? Because, you know, we, we go back before the Woodley fight, and we talk about the Thompson fight and the difficult weight cut that he had. And, of course, he had missed weight before against uh, Justin Yari back in the day. So, um, we, we know that he had had issues. I think that physically he looks good, and mentally speaking with him, again, he, he checking him out, it seems like he's being open, he's being honest, he's being real. The open workout he put on, man, it looked like he had a lot of energy, which he doesn't always have a lot of energy on fight week. Uh, it seems to me like a guy who really, really took to heart this loss, didn't let it destroy him, and said, I'm going to improve. I'm, gonna ma- I'm going to make the improvements I need, and i got to say, I'm liking what I'm seeing from Till this week. Yeah, I think the the overwhelming thought, one, you know, when he lost to to Woodley was maybe this is time for him to move up to middleweight. You know, he'd mm-hmm. struggled, it struggled on the scale. You know, he had that that real battle to uh, to make it against uh, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson in Liverpool. Um, then he fought against Woodley. He made weight, but there, I think it was generally accepted that. It was an easier cut, but it was still a tough cut. Right. Um, he didn't perform as he'd hoped. And I think a lot of people, myself included, thought, okay, he's been talking about moving up. Maybe now is the time. Draw the line and right. move up. I was there. I was in that camp. Yeah. I was in that and camp. I, th- I think, and, and from speaking to him and also also from, from, from you know your chat with him earlier in the week, it sounds to me like he's had a he's had a heart-to-heart with his coach, Colin Heron, who runs uh, Team Cowbomb. And uh, I think, I think uh, Colin sat him down and said, look, if you want to do this, at welterweight, we need to change how we go about things. And what they obviously did 
is they, 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 they either change his nutrition or his conditioning or whatever it was because he doesn't look as broad across the shoulders. That's right. Um, and some of the pictures, check out the guy's Instagram. He looks absolutely ripped in some of those shots. And that's good because I think... But he, not in an unhealthily no, lean way. Not Do you know what I mean? Not where it looks like he's sucked out and drawn no. out. It looks like a guy who's in peak physical condition. Whereas, yeah. you know, it's funny because I, you know, I remember him saying those things, you know, going with the gorilla nickname and talking about the fact that, you know, I'm a 205-pounder that can cut to 170. Like, I get it, man. I understand the, the weight cut philosophy of this sport, man. Be as big as you can on fight night. And it is, I mean, dude, when we saw him fight Cowboy, I mean, dude, you know, when he comes to you with the arms raised and you look at the size, you're like, holy shit, this man is huge. Yeah. And there is something intimidating about that. There is something impressive about that. But what I see this week is not a big monster that like, oh, my God, how do you even make this weight? I see a guy that looks in incredible physical condition happens to be a phenomenal striker, happens to be aggressive, happens to be confident. And and I like that combination more than I like the idea of like, oh, well, you're just bigger than everybody. Yeah, and I think I think what what this is proving is he he isn't just someone who says says things and doesn't back it up. He you know, he he's not prepared to walk away from that title loss. You know, he's owning right. it. He's accepted that there are changes that needed to be made. And from a physical standpoint, we've seen evidence that changes have already been made. Yep. Now it's a case of what's he going to look like in, on, in the cage on fight night. He's up against a guy, you could argue style-wise, if you were hand-picking an opponent out of that welterweight division, someone who could make Till look look really, really good, yep. Masvidal might just be that guy. And that is in no way uh, a negative towards no, Jorge Masvidal. You're talking about styles make Styles fights. make fights. And I think... I also think it will bring the best out of Masvidal, yes. conversely. So I think it, I think this is tailor-made uh, for Darren Till to come back and have a big performance. If he's physically as healthy as he seems to be, mentally he seems to be in a great place. Like in previous fights, talk of his weight dominated the narrative mm-hmm. going in. I was in a media scrum with him today. I don't think a single question was asked about his weight. It doesn't look like it, it, he looks like a 170-er now. That's the thing. And, I and mean, now, now we could be... We could be proven wrong tomorrow morning at oh, 9 a.m. Yeah, yeah. By the time this but, has come out, this is going to make us look dark. I know, but, but as we're sitting here this week, we're just being honest. Like, before, yeah, I think we did always, we'd be around him and go, how the hell does he make 170? Yeah. Now it's like, yeah, guy looks like he's going to make looks, 170. He looks a lot more in range mm-hmm. uh, on, a, on a Thursday than, than maybe he has in the past. And, you know, we've seen, we've in fact, we saw it with him. And we've seen it with other fighters where you see them at media day and they're already cutting and, they look gaunt already. Yeah. They look very low energy. Darren wasn't low energy today. He was he was very chatty. He was grinning away. He was he was conducting interviews in English and Portuguese. You know, he was he he, he seemed to be in, thoroughly enjoying the attention. Yep. Thoroughly enjoying being back on home soil. And you know, he 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 told us today that he he's just excited to be back in front of his people again. Um, he knows it's going to be him on his own in there, but being on home soil once again where he knows the majority of the support is going to be for him. I think that's going to really energize him. So um, I'm just fascinated to see how he responds to to, to, to what Jorge Masvidal is going to bring because he's not here just to he's not here just to be the blue corner. He he's I think there's a huge opportunity for Jorge Masvidal here. I agree. Um, it's going to be it's going to be a hell of a fight. All right, let's do this. Let's start uh, with Darren Till. I had a chance to sit down with Darren Till yesterday. Uh, and and have a, a conversation with him. Um, and uh, listen, we heard that he was 
you know, kind of trying to cut some media things short, and, and you know, it felt like there was a lot going on in the schedule, and, and so I, I, there was a, some concern that it might get scratched, and so I was a little bit worried that it wasn't going to happen. We did sit down, and I thought the conversation was great, and I know there are Darren Till haters out there, but um, I just love his honesty, man. I really do. I love the way he um, you'll hear him, man, admits the, the, the pain that that loss to Tyron Woodley still causes him to this day. He's like, even if I beat him, that loss doesn't go away. It's always going to bother me. So I just I, – I love his honesty. I respect the hell out of it. Um, and anyway, this is, uh, this is Darren Till. Darren, I know that, uh, you know, fight week can be a little repetitive sometimes and a lot of stuff going on. But I wonder, you know, being back here, main event, big fight feel, like is it important to kind of get this groove again? Yeah, yeah. Uh... You know, it's funny to think I've only had uh, six UFC fights and four of them, you know, this one, this is my fourth, will be main events, you know. That's uh, that I'm doing big things in the industry of MMA and, and, you know, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger name quicker and people are taking notice and, you know, I just, as I, as I always say in every interview, I say it's cliche, I, I do want to be one of the best ever and uh, this is definitely the right direction and, and you know, in the fight game, it can't all be highs. There's highs and lows. My last one was was a was a big low for me, and you know, you just have to take it with a pinch of salt. And and and, and for me, there's a there's a key word, and it's it's evolving. What was the process of moving past that? I mean, I know how emotional you were, but sometimes we hear that hey, losses are good, right? I mean, they help you dial in things that you need to fix, whatever. But I mean, how, what was the process of moving past that? Uh, I think I don't think I'll ever move past it. A lot of fights say, "Oh, I'm done." It's it. I'm not ashamed to say it still hurts every day if it, if, it, if it comes to mind. You know, I've watched the fight many times and and it's just something inside of me. Even if I ever get the rematch with Woodley and beat him, that first fight will still be a thorn inside of me. And, you know, I've always said that openly, you can't really go through this life, you know, a normal life or the fighting life, with it all being highs. It, the lows do come and I always said that a loss would come and... A loss may come again. Loss could happen Saturday. I'm not. I'm not. Not scared to talk about it because it's all reality. You know, I. I am a realist, and to get past it, you know, you've just got to. It's not about uh, getting better. It's just about learning from little tiny mistakes. It's all like little mistakes that you think you did wrong, and you work on them, and you try and grow from them. And you know, people. I know there's a famous saying like a lot of people say win or learn, but to me, it's just you win or you lose. And I lost, and I just tried to. You know, change a few little mistakes where I felt I made, but ultimately, as I, as I'll always say, you know, on that night that, that the guy that fought me was better. What was your emotion watching Tyron lose? I wonder if that was yeah. frustrating. Were you, were you hoping to get back to him for the belt? <laughs> well, I hope to get a. You know, if you said to me now, what what would you prefer, title shot or rematch? I'd want the rematch. Just to, I just want to avenge that one loss and prove that I'm better than him. But to to me, and, and this is not on disrespecting Usman in no way. You know, uh, I actually sent Usman a message after the fight, you know, congratulating him and saying that, you know, I can't wait to fight. I know Usman was chasing me a while back, but now it's me obviously chasing him. But it just didn't see, seem to me like that the Woodley turned up, that turned up to fight me. Like he, and I, I know when he was fighting me, he was, he was scared. When you're fighting a guy like me, you have to be scared. You, you know what I bring to the table. And he said it openly and I could feel a fear, but that fear drove him on. He was so powerful and quick and aggressive. And, and and as much as Usman looked so, so good in there, like a top-level fighter, Woodley just didn't seem the, the same Woodley as, as we've seen previously. And he'll still go down as one of the best ever, but just didn't seem like the guy we knew. And, and that's nothing taken away from Usman. He perfected that strategy, but it was a weird fight. And it was a good fight. I enjoyed the fight. A lot, a lot of people might say, oh, they were on the ground, whatever, but I really enjoyed that fight. 
wanted to ask you about staying at welterweight because I kind of thought it was you just being bullheaded and for, for, you know and saying I got to do this. But yeah. I look at you this week, man. You're, yeah. you're looking lean. So yeah. give me the outlook. I mean, how are you feeling right now? And, and does this does this maybe your home longer than we thought? Yeah, I mean, speaking obviously, me coach is behind you there. He, he knows. He knows that I trust him 100% fully, whatever he says. Sometimes he gives me bits of advice out the outside and maybe not take it, but in fighting, I know he knows what's best. And as I've just been speaking to you off camera there, nutrition is key. And I'm not a guy who eats shit on a daily basis, but since I've come in touch with, you know, the guy we call Shevsky now, that's his trademark name, uh, it's just changed everything. Like, you know, three weeks three weeks out from... from, from from fights and, 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 and the meals he's making me. It's not like, it's not, to me, it's not diet meals. He, he's making it fun. Yeah, I'm enjoying going home and I'm watching him cook and what he's cooking for me and, he, you know, I'm snacking. And even this week, I mean, on, on Monday and Tuesday, big meals from him and, and they weren't, you know, plain, you know, like plain chicken. It's all, you know, he he knows what he's doing. He's, he's a vital part of the team now and, and, and He's not just a pile part of the team, he's a friend. So I think that is one of the keys in staying at welterweight. Nice. Let's talk about this matchup. I mean, there's no uh, drama here, which uh, I wonder if that's a good thing. Part of me thinks you kind of like to have a chip on your shoulder <laughs> when you go into fights, but you know, you guys have been pretty respectful. So what is the feeling like ahead of facing a dangerous yeah. guy, but, but not, not yeah. emotion? I just remember when I first met Masvidal in, in, in London a, f a few weeks ago, and, and sometimes off camera, people are different to when they are on camera and I'm the same on or off if you've got a problem with me you can sort it on camera or off and I just seen him and you know he's a mean looking dude and, and we shook hands and it was like yeah, you're okay and, and then I've got, I've, got, I've got I've got nothing bad to say about a guy who hasn't got any ego to prove he, he knows what he is people know what he is I mean I was watching Mas I'm 26 now I was watching Masvidal when I was a young young boy in, in not in the cage but on the street and I, I've just got respect for him it doesn't mean I don't want to kill him, because I do, but I've just got a lot of respect for him. Why put that pressure on yourself where you said, I won't be happy unless I win this in the first round? That seems like a, a, a tall order. Yeah, because if it happens, you know, if it happens, a lot of people will sit back and go, he, he, he did what he said. But I'm also, I know the guy I'm facing, and I know that it could turn into a five-round absolute war, blood, sweat, and tears, and either one gets me excited. So... You know, you, you can't just have it in your mind. You know, you got to speak openly what you want to do. And I always talk openly what I want to achieve and what I want to do. And I want to achieve a first round knockout over Masvidal. Lay out what happens from here, man. This would be a big win. The top of the division is turned. So, I mean, it's wide open right now. Lay out. You said big things are coming. You're, you're, yeah. you're laying them out. How, how does this year work out for you? Yeah, I, I just don't want to, like, you know, look too much. I, I feel like I need to respect my opponents enough to just worry about Sati. But... Now that there's been a change of tide in, 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 in the champions, I don't feel like I was getting the rematch straight away, but I feel like I can definitely campaign, you know. All goes well Saturday for me, I can definitely campaign for a title shot. And I know there's a lot of guys calling me name out one, as, as everyone says, Ben, Leon's called my name, there's a few other guys, Santiago and that, but I'm still number three. So there's no way for me to go now if I win Saturday. I can't move forward because every guy there, one's an interim champ or was, one is a former, you know, one of the GOATs and one's the champion. So I definitely should campaign for it. I feel like I, I, I've got that right. So that was Darren Till in good spirit. Seems to be in good health. I guess we'll find out 
in the morning on the scales. But uh, I, I don't have a lot of fear, to be honest with you. All right, let's talk about Jorge Masvidal because, man, I feel like in a lot of ways Jorge Masvidal has become the darling of this fight week. You know, not that it was unexpected, not that we didn't understand his fight skills or we didn't understand what he brings to the table, that sort of thing. I mean, we, I mean, we were again. I said the fight was announced and we were excited about it, but. Man, I just feel like his time this week speaking with the media, you know, he did an open workout session, he did an impromptu Q&A and just handled business. He did a a, a funny little, you know, uh, self-defense seminar, he called it, which was basically a street fighting seminar. Um, You know, the scrum that he did today, the interview that he did with us that we'll definitely get to, I mean, I just feel like he's nailing it all the time and he's not... He doesn't love doing media. I mean, that's that's obvious. He doesn't love doing media, but I feel like he's handling it so well this week and and being comfortable and literally just being himself, which, by the way, not breaking news that Jorge Masvidal is an absolute G, a straight gangster, but he is just being himself and, you know, flash headline to the rest of the MMA world. It's working for him just being himself. Yeah, maybe maybe that's an object lesson for some of the other people on the UFC roster. But then again, Jorge Masvidal has something about him. I mean, he turned up at media day looking like an extra from Miami Vice. <laughs> you know, he's got the flowing hair, he's got the beard. He had the I don't know if it was a Hawaiian shirt on, but he, it was it was a gangster shirt, that's for sure. Um, and uh, yeah, he he looks he looks every inch you know the part. But you know, his record says he's been in there for. As I say, 45 fights. Amazing. You don't have a 45-fight career um, unless you can handle business. And and just talking to him, as you say, he was just being himself. Sometimes people turn up for media day and they have, they have an agenda they want to push. They have certain checkpoints they want to hit. They want certain narratives to be pushed out there. Um, you know, it's, it's a bit like a politician being on message. And... He just doesn't care. He just turned up and he, he'd answer whatever question was thrown his way. Completely honest. You know, he's not thinking about... He, he's not crafting his answers. He's no. not He's not thinking, oh, should I say this? Should I say that? You know? Uh, the only time he ever considered, like, properly to sort of double-check what he was going to do was when he was asked about Yoel Romero. And uh, he was he was very careful not to share too many stories about Yoel Romero because uh, it sounds like <laughs> it sounds like the pair of them have, have been getting up to some hijinks here I and imagine there. Imagine they have. Uh, that would be a behind the scenes conversation. I'd love to be uh, I'd love to be part of. But in terms of in terms of the way he conducted himself on media day, and he's just legit. He's mm-hmm. legit as a fighter. He's legit when you talk to him. There's no you don't come away from talking to Jorge Masvidal you know, with, without, you know, without some sort of positive impression. It's like, okay, you know the guy can fight. You don't have to see any tape. Talk to the man. You come away oh. thinking, okay, <laughs> this, this, you know that guy can fight. I feel like he's moving this week into that Cowboy Cerrone territory. Yeah, you know is. what I mean? Where it's just like, bro, this is a dude that I'm signed up to watch fight whenever, whenever. And it's funny because, again, it's not like the dude hasn't been around. I mean, not only does he have as many fights as you say, but it's 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 on – it's it's in big time organizations, right? But he's always kind of shied away from the spotlight. I mean, he's a good friend of MMA Junkie Radio, but I'll be honest with you, his phone sucks. I don't know what kind of phone he has, but every time he calls MMA Junkie Radio, it's breaking up. It's you know what I mean? It's hard, and and you could tell he's not necessarily interested, you know. And I get it, and it's funny because I compared him to Cowboy. You do a phone conversation with Cowboy Cerrone, he does not give 
two Fs about the conversation, right? Like, I remember one time doing an interview with him, like, in knowing because I've interviewed Cowboys so many times, it was just like, let me ask you, where are you right now? He's like, oh, I'm on the back of a boat, like out in the lake. I'm like, oh, you're doing your media interviews from the back of a boat in the lake. Sure, you're really focused on what's going on here. And Mosley Dahl's the same way. You know, Norman's like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm driving down the highway with the two chicks over here. And we got, you know what I mean? So yeah. that's Mosley Dahl. I feel like this is the first week where he's been kind of forced into that main event spotlight. He's had a bunch of media around him. You know, I was because I was thinking, I was like, wait a minute, I know, and I actually had to look it up because I was like, wait a minute, I know he's been in a UFC main event before. Yeah, once, once. and it was in Seoul, South Korea, where yes, me and Cole Coffee were there, but the, <laughs> the, 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 that, that was about it for like fully English speaking media. I mean, there was not a lot of media there. Um, I think a lot of it was more about Benson Henderson kind of being on the on the way out, and um, you know the pre-fight discussion. I remember like he uh, he turned his he turned his uh, Reebok gear like inside out. Benson Henderson did, you know, mm. not not one. so. I mean, the, the, this conversation was not around Masvidal, and I I just man, I honestly feel like this week Masvidal is is becoming a star, man. Is becoming a star, and I granted all that is stuff that happens outside of the cage, but I love to see it, man, because. It is a ref- to me. It's a breath of fresh air, man. Like we're so right now in this era of MMA where it's about the tweets, it's about the trash talk, it's about this, it's about that. And for him, dude, it's straight up just about fighting and like I'll fight anybody, anywhere, anytime. And we're gonna throw down and we're gonna do this. We're gonna put on a show. You know, he gets asked about Askren and he's not. You know, he doesn't go into trash talk about Askren. It's just more about like. How can you even feel good about the way you won the other night? Like, go do it again. Go if you if you think you beat Lawler that bad, like go beat him again. You know, what I mean, that's how you that's how you shut people. It's just I don't know, man. It's it's just real, and I know I'm really enjoying my as well. And I feel like as long as he's been around, I just feel like he's getting more love and more spotlight than he ever has. And I feel like the people here on the ground are really just responding to what he's throwing out there. Yeah, and he's loving being in England, in England by the way. Um, he said during during the media scrum that this is a country that is, is steeped in, in, a, in a boxing tradition and a fighting, fighting tradition. And he, he said that he knows that he's appreciated over here. You know, the reaction that he had from the fans at the open workout and from fans on social media and all the rest of it, he feels he he feels appreciated. Yeah. Uh, he knows he knows that he's going in against against the local guy. You know, he's fighting a Brit in in Britain, but nonetheless, he knows that people appreciate him the way he goes about business and the way he fights. And I think I think that that gives him a certain sense of pride. And you know, he says uh, he wants to. Be, you know, he knows that the fighting fans in England appreciate guys who give give their money's worth. That's right. And he said, and he basically assured everybody you're going to get your money's worth on Saturday night. Listen, uh, I, I, it's funny because nobody can boo him, right? I mean, like, it, you may be cheering your home guy, but you're just like, and cheers for you too. You know what I mean? They, they love the, I, I, I already made my pick. I made my pick before we got here, right? I made my pick and I, and I picked Darren Till. And in my head, I was like, dude, the size difference is just going to be too much, man. And it's funny because it still may be. It still may be. We still got to get to fight night. We get. We still got to see how this newly lean Darren Till is going to look once he's rehydrated. How much will his body balloon up once he can eat and drink whatever he wants and, and that sort of thing. Is he going to be – because he is. I mean, I think he has a larger frame. But it's funny because I sensed it, and, and I'm sure you sensed it, but it was funny because 
you know, we do this thing called Who You Got where we go around and we ask fighters, you know, who you got. It's, you know, it's funny because most, I mean, a lot of fighters don't even watch fights. Like, they'll just straight up tell you, like, dude, I don't know, man. I train for my stuff. <laughs> like, if it's not in their division, they're like, dude, I, don't, I have no idea. You John know what Phillips. I mean? Yeah, that's it. They're like, I, I don't know. I don't care. Um, but, you know, we do it. It's just a social media thing, and it just keeps, you know, it's, it's something to do. But Joe Duffy, it was so funny. Because Joe Duffy, and I knew this from interviewing before, Joe Duffy doesn't like to make predictions. He just doesn't like to offer anything out there. I mean, he's about as, like, non-controversial as it gets. Uh, so, but, but it was funny because we asked him, and you could tell. He kind of, in the video will be out. Uh, Abby's working on, on getting this thing edited. But he actually, like, takes a second and goes, hmm. Like, really thinking at first. I'm like, is he just thinking about how he's going to weasel out of this? You know what I mean? Because he doesn't <laughs> like to get predictions. But he said, he was like, you know what, man? I've been around both those guys this week. And he was like, in my head, I thought for sure Till was way bigger. Like, Till was just going to dwarf Masvidal. He's like, but I stood next to both of them this week. He's like, I I don't see it that way. Till's not as much bigger as I thought than Masvidal is. So, uh, man, you know, I think it's going to be a better fight. And now you start talking about that style. And it's so intriguing, right, because you say styles make fights and you're dead on about the fact that Mazidal is the right opponent for Till to look good, right? But in the same way, Till could be the right opponent for Mazidal to look good, right? Because, you know, I think about Mazidal's career, and the one thing that has frustrated me about Mazidal over the years, and it's a skill that he has, but it plays to his detriment sometimes, is that he's very comfortable moving backward and counterpunching, you know? And unfortunately, outside of the three judges that judge uh, Ben Rothwell and Blagoy Ivanov the other night, Normally, if you're moving forward and throwing punches, you're you're yeah you're getting rewarded, right? And I think Masvidal in the past has given around given away rounds simply by moving backwards and waiting to counter, taking some damage along the way, or at least letting the other person look busy even as as you avoid things. But he's a phenomenal counter puncher, right? So if he's put up against another counter puncher or another person that's going to be reserved. Um, it it can be a little bit you know tedious at times. Well, the Wonder Boy fight was a little bit like that, wasn't it? So exactly right. But man, if if Till will come forward, if Till will come forward, like I think he wants to, especially with this hunger in his eyes, especially with this great. Now he's got to be smart, and I think he knows that. But it could play into Masvidal's strengths as well. So I came into this week thinking, I'm Till, I'm Till all day. Love Masvidal, but I'm Till all day. But the newly lean Till doesn't look as big as I thought he was. Masvidal seems rested, focused on po- – I mean, just everything seems to be clicking for Masvidal. And as we get closer to fight night, I got to say, man, I'm more 50-50. 50-50. Well, I've just had a quick look. Um, and you're talking about what Joe Duffy said with regard to the size discrepancy or lack thereof. Darren Till's going to have a reach advantage of half an inch. That's wow. all. So you think Darren wow. Till, you see, you know, the shots of him standing with his hands aloft yeah. like that, that massive wingspan that he appears to have. He's only going to have half-inch reach advantage that's on fight crazy. night. 74 and a half to 74. Wow. Um, so that's interesting. But it's what you do with the reach. I mean, Masvidal um, is, is a very upright uh, stylist in mm-hmm. terms of the way he strikes. Very traditional. Whereas Till, Till will tend to lean forward. He'll move around. He's He's... he's I think he uses his range a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be interesting to see how kicks are used in this fight because neither, you know, they both use kicks. But I think Till probably, I think it's a big, a big plus for Till if he can start landing kicks to the body. I in would that agree. Fight. Uh, so that'll be an interesting thing. But I think 
with regard to what you were saying about Masvidal and the fact that he's been penalised a little bit for for going backwards in his fights, the criticism, if I could be as you know so bold as to offer some, is I find that Masvidal is such a seasoned campaigner. Such a, there's not much he hasn't seen. Right. I've watched him in fights where he's almost put himself in cruise control in the middle of the fight, Completely and he hasn't be hasn't been able to to then click back up again. Completely so he agree. starts well. It's like he's so calm. Yeah. He's too calm. Yeah, so he'll start, normally he starts quite well. That's a great point. And he'll get to the second round yep. and he'll just dial it back and just settle into a rhythm. But that's the round where the first, you know, his opponent thinks, okay, I need to up it. And at that point, he doesn't seem to find the ability to kick it back up again. Now, this is a five-round fight. Mm. So that throws a whole new dynamic into the mix a little bit. You know, game management could be a big, a big uh, factor in this. Till has been in five-round fights before. Uh, Masvidal... Was he? Was that a five round fight? I don't think it was in uh, in Seoul. I don't know if they had five round fights back then, but um, it was. It was yeah, a five yeah, round fight. So so he's yeah. done it once and he lost the decision. So um, I think I think game management is going to be really important. And I I think if Darren Till can get off to a fast start, get the first one or two rounds in the bank, um, that's really gonna that's really gonna test Masvidal to sort of break out of something that has been a little bit of a pattern in his career where he's going to need to kick up the backside after after a round or two because Otherwise, he could end up finding himself walking onto things, uh, or just cruise controlling his way through the fight, thinking he's doing okay, yeah, but not quite doing enough. So, it'd be interesting to see. But I mean, Masvidal, because he's been around for so long, and because he knows what he's looking at. I mean, he looked genuinely excited at the prospect of facing the number three fighter in the world. So, you know, I think this is a colossal opportunity for him as well. Um, if he wins this fight, then he's right in there. I agree. He's right in there, and you know, like talking to Darren Till. And, Look, again, and again, not just because of skill, but he, he that star quality this week has popped up. All you know? of a sudden, it becomes valid because if you look at the top of the welterweight division, and you know we, we were talking to Darren Till about this today, Colby and Tyron Woodley have got something going on that needs to be addressed, right? So if they yes, if they, they finally do. if they finally come to terms with Colby insofar as getting him back in the cage again, and who knows what's going on there, the natural fight for him is probably Woodley, right? Right, so. Unless they chuck him in with Kamaru. I mean, they could chuck him in with Kamaru, but there's an argument for putting him in with Tyron. If they put him in with Tyron, the coast is clear for the winner of tonight, particularly if it's Till, mm -hmm. to jump straight in and face Kamaru, which is a fight that I think the UFC were looking at last summer, potentially for sort of the back end of last year. Mm -hmm. So um, so if Till wins and wins big, the door might be open for him to jump straight back in. If Masvidal wins, especially if he wins inside the distance then all bets are off because he isn't likely to fight Colby because they're teammates. Of course not. Um, and they're I mean, and they're boys outside of being teammates. I exactly. I that fight ever happened. Exactly. So you could end up with a scenario where he could either be fighting Kamaru or he could maybe even be fighting Tyron because if you beat the number three guy, you know, you're, interesting. you're right there. So I know that people, and, and I've seen it online, people will look at Masvidal's record and point to the number of losses he's had and, you look at all those losses, yeah, okay, he's had some losses, but he's had a lot of fights. He's lost some fights, but he's not been finished in many of these fights. As I say, one KO or TKO, and that was back in like 2005 or right. something. Uh, Rodrigo Dan beat him in a, in a regional event. Yeah. So, you know, if, if you're in there and, you, and you're, you have the ability to go the distance with anybody on the planet, yeah. but then you go in and finish Darren Till... That's a statement right and, there. And again, it's about marketability. And, and, and it's going with the hot end. I mean, listen, 
his career record isn't all that different than Anthony Smith, and we just saw Anthony Smith. I mean, yeah, maybe he, maybe Masvidal shouldn't walk into it right now, but but if he wins this fight, he, he's close. He's so. there. He's in, he's in the conversation. That's it. All right, listen, uh, we've talked a lot about Jorge Masvidal. If you haven't caught up with what he's been laying out this week, you got to hear it, man. He is on fire. Uh, I did have a chance to sit down and talk to him as well on Wednesday, and uh, this is what Game Bread had to say. Beer game is, is definitely on point today. I understand there was a, a whole process to go through this. How, how, how does a man care for a fine beard like that? Man, I just wake up and it's like that, man. It's fucking nuts, you know what I'm saying? I drink my coffee and that's it. The beard gets done on its own. There's rumors saying that I go to barber shops and shit, but those are rumors, you know? Good to know, good to know. Yes, right. Let's talk about this fight, man. It's been a long time since you fought. I wanted this time away. Good thing or bad thing? I mean, on the one hand, you can you can a, rest a little bit, right? Have a little time away. A combination of good and bad, you know. I don't know if I want to dig into the bad on, on uh, televised uh, recordings because it's bad, you know. But the good was good, too, you know. But the good was also bad, so, you know, maybe we don't even talk about that whole subject. It's in the X-Files. What was the, what was the good part for you? I, mean, I know you got to do some other things in life. and, and the, the good part is I got to rehab a lot of injuries. I got the rest of my body. I've been competing uh, since I'm 18 professionally in this sport that I love and uh, competing three to four times every year. So injuries have happened. Um, uh, I'm not a big believer of, like, pain medication or surgery. So I've never had surgery, though I should have done it a couple times. So I just believe in, like, rehab and fixing it up. So that's what I did a good part of the year. And then uh, a great friend of mine, mentor and manager, wanted me to do this reality show, which I hung up on his face numerous times when the opportunity was brought up. And I think I might have even told him to go fuck himself a couple times. And he kept pushing it down my throat, and I'm like, bro, I don't want to be part of a reality show. What, uh, fucking, what is this? You know what I'm saying? I thought I'm going to be in there with, like, uh, one of those fucking Mad World TVs or one of those things, you know. But it ended up being one of the best experiences of my life. It was pure competition and a lot of seclusion, a lot of being in nature. They take your cell phone away, your TV and the radio. No contact to the outside world whatsoever. So that was like amazing because you don't know how much stress you have in your mind until that's taken away. You know, I can't explain to you in two 90 minute tapes how good this is for anybody. You know, they actually paid me to go to this retreat, which was the even crazier part. They paid me to do this experiment. And it was amazing. And I learned a lot of valuable experiences for many lives to come you know so i got the book coming out soon make sure you go get that book when it comes out it's not soon like this year but it is coming out though were you planning on writing a book ahead of time or did that experience so change you oh no the book's been coming for years you know just uh experiences helping it up you know speed it up you know that's interesting though so you you kind of see this reality show as almost like a life-changing experience for you for for a part of it yeah and it's not because the i met somebody so cool there was some guru in the jungle or nothing no it's because i got to know myself better you know since you wake up in the morning Especially somebody like you, you're a journalist, you got your fucking reading the news, you're getting a message from so-and-so, you don't even know what your own thoughts are, and I'm telling you that, man. You don't know what your own emotions are. What do you wake up feeling when nobody's bothering you, when nothing, you know? When your friend isn't calling you, hey, let me borrow $300. Oh, you do, I, fuck you then, you know? All those emotions that you have in your body throughout the whole day, mixing with the negative music that we listen to on the fucking TV, it's just, you don't know who you are until you seclude yourself. I got to do that for about 14 weeks then when I come back here I feel the difference like nah man you know so I've cut it out a lot a lot of people think like oh he's got more money now he doesn't want to talk to us no it's I've, I've turned off phones on everybody you know fuck that you know I want to live that stress-free life my kids have access to me and certain people need to have access to me like that guy back there you know that's about it man
That's interesting, man. So that's a positive. Is was that also the negative when you talk about the no, the no, that stuff? was that's a positive. No, the negative is is good and bad because there was a lot of like wild shit I can't discuss on TV that that occurred, you know. But yeah, it was it's good and bad, you know. Yeah. Why has it been so hard to get you a fight? You doesn't seem like you turn people down. So why has it been so hard to get you matched up? You know, because the, the nowadays guys on social media say, yes, I'll fight anybody. And then they'll say, yes, I'll fight you on social media. And then the contract gets there. And, man, I don't know. I feel bad for them because I guess it's like a fighter thing from getting punches to the head to get amnesia when it comes time to sign contracts and forget the signature. You know, and, man, I just fight, man. And, you know, you don't need no further proof than just asking the matchmaker. Ask Sean Shelby, do I go around turning down fights? The only time that people could say, oh, Masford, I called him out in 18, he didn't fight. Well, Masford didn't fight anybody in 18, you fucking idiot. You know? I wasn't fighting. That was the plan. I wasn't fighting nobody. And then when the opportunity came up to be in the reality show, I wasn't fighting nobody when I was in, in this the island, secluded from everybody either. Didn't even know what was going on. When I got out, though, I made my opinion known. I wanted to, uh, Nate Diaz had a fight fall out. I vouched for that one. I was ready to go for that one just because I wanted that. You know, I wanted to fight right away. I tried to get the biggest, baddest fights. I tried to fight Nick Diaz. Then Darren Till came up. So I'm fighting number three in the world. Do you think I'm dodging anybody? Is there anybody that could say this guy's dodging me? He's number, what, 37 in the world is calling me out? Get a fucking ticket and get in line, but Don't be a cocksucker, bro. Don't fucking just yap to yap. Sorry, ladies. I'm about about the language I got excited there about these idiots. <laughs> well, I was gonna ask you what it was about this fight in particular that got you to say yes, but it sounds like you've been saying yes all along. This was just the name that was there at the time. Pretty much, you know, since uh, this year started, you know, obviously I wanted the biggest name I could find and we just went through the list and it was no's and no's and no's, but on social media they're saying, yeah, I'm ready. And uh, man, it's just crazy, bro. It's like uh, these new age fighters remind me of like rappers, you know, like, yeah. Like, they just talk a lot about killing and shooting, how much women they got, but they ain't got shit. They got bankruptcies, all this type of stuff. I saw social media is like brainwash these guys, you know, because when it's actually time to sign the contract and compete, they don't do it, you know. Do you hear me pulling out of fights forever? Like, my record is pretty spot on when it comes to fighting. Yet these cowards want to tarnish my name, you know. That's blasphemy, you know. Does it frustrate you then to see like super these guys rise to the top and, and oh, maybe a guy that's been around man. paying the dues doesn't get the respect? The respect that you can keep that, but just the paycheck is what I want. I got kids, you know? So it just pisses me off. You could sit in the, in, in the bleachers and talk shit and get exposure off that, you know? And then the UFC will get mad at me if, if I see one of these guys and address them in person. Like, why are you talking so wild, bro? You know, it's fucking bullshit. You know, I'm here now. We could address it now, you know? So that type of shit does upset me, you know? How about Till? He's been he's been respectful of you the whole time. Has that been? Oh, I think Till's cool, bro. Since uh, the first time he called me out, he just said, "Hey, let's scrap, let's do it." You know what more is there to it? You know we're gonna fight. You gotta call my mom names. I gotta make fun of your sister for what, bro? You know, I, I get it if you do it from a competitive, funny standpoint. Like Till, you put your chin way too high, and then he would say something about me where well, you're slow mass it all, and then like that, you know, from from what we compete in and stuff. But once you start getting personal and attacking people's character, family, children, religion. Culture, it's kind of corny, you know. It's we, we're, at least me. I've been out of high school for a while, bro. So that that shit that you're doing the spill out about your mom's an idiot, no yours. That's kind of horny, man. You know. But it seems and like it, fans buy into that sometimes, though. Do you? Do, sometimes seems like man, these fucking fans nowadays are brainwashed, man. It's just like ah, let's oh, who's talking the most shit this week. I get sometimes it's funny, you know. I'm not gonna lie. Some guys that that are funny, and some guys are just over the top corny, man. Till showing you the respect, but I'm sure that uh, he's he's also promising you that he's going to come out and knock you out in the first round. 
I know you don't have to dislike the guy, but how do you see the fight play? I mean, what do you make him? He's a big guy. Obviously, he's got the, the big left hand, but how do you see your styles matching up? He's big and he hits hard, man, but uh, I'm going to break his face. That's that's what I see, you know? been doing this for a while. He ain't never in his life seen nothing like me in his life. He's never fought nobody like me in his life. He'll find out why that is on Saturday after he gets this lesson. You know, I'm going to pick him up, take him to school. I'm going to be a nice guy. I'm going to put him back on the bus and drop him off at home after the class is done, you know? You know Ben Askren's going to be cage side. What do you make of that? I mean, you're you're looking for kind of a drama-free week, and then he's going to be over here. I mean, he's drama-free anyways. That guy, he's a little groupie, man. You know, He's calling my name and saying, who are you, you know? Uh, Herb Dean gifted you a win, and you're calling people out. Give the respect, Robbie O's, you know, as a man, as a fighter, having pride in what I do, you know? I choke somebody out, or I think so, and at the moment I could get caught in thinking I choked him out because the referee's there. But when I would see the replay and I would see the guy put the thumbs up, in my head, I would say, man, I didn't choke this guy out. And as a man, having the pride, I would say, let's do it again. But especially after you fucking decapitated me on the slam, busted up my face, let's do it again because I definitely didn't choke you out because I've never seen nobody go to sleep like this. That's the first I've seen somebody go to sleep like this. So as a man, I would say, let's do the rematch, but that's how much of a weasel and coward he is. No, 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 I'm gone already. I wouldn't wouldn't dare repeat that route again, you know? That just shows you his character. He's a bitch, you know? Well, this will be a big fight for you to get back, man. There's no question about that's it, true. returning back. So what is the idea? Now that you are now that you are back and you're focused and you're back to fighting, what's the plan this year? What's What do you want to see go from here? Break Till's face and fight for the title. That's, that's the number one plan. The number two plan will be break Till's face, and then fight for the title. All right, Jorge Masvidal, game bread. I'm excited, man. I, I'm excited for this main event. But we said this is a deep card, and it is, man. I get it. If you're, if you're casual, you may say, I don't know if I see anything else on there. If you're a hardcore you're loving this. And Leon Edwards versus Gunnar Nelson fits that in the co-main event. Leon Edwards, a guy, man, talk about underrated, right? Six-fight win streak? I mean, the guy, I'll be honest with you, I doubted him. I, I, I might have picked against him every time he fights, man. He keeps proving me wrong. The game keeps improving. He keeps getting better and better. He told you today, don't be surprised if I submit Gunnar Nelson, which is which is crazy, you know. But uh, but I love that attitude, you know. And, and, and what, a, what a fantastic story he shared with you as well about, hey, one of the reasons – I had that attitude and, and, and understand how I need to walk into this fight was I fought Kamaru Usman, you know, and, and leading into that fight, I kept being told that, like, my wrestling wasn't up to par, so I went out to AKA, but I came in that fight thinking, wrestle, wrestle, don't let him take you down, don't let him take you down, and he just seized up. He just seized up, you know, and now he's saying, I won't do that against Gunnar Nelson. Meanwhile, Gunnar Nelson, a guy that over the years I think we've all been high on, but then he had some setbacks and – you know, he's had some moments where he hasn't looked good, and you go, ah, oh, is this guy what we thought he was? But last time out, it's Cowboy Oliveira, looked phenomenal. Uh, there was a great piece on, on Gunner's gym, you know, this, this this huge facility they're building out there in Iceland. The team is getting better and better. Now he's not traveling anymore, which, you know, it's interesting, right? Like, I, I thought that piece on, and if you didn't see it, it was USC Connected, which is kind of, it's a, it's a European-produced show, it's a magazine show, and it features international athletes but it's, it's good to watch but uh, man first of all the facility they train is great you can see the the quality of athletes that they're attracting there 
John Cavanaugh is now coming there to, to do coaching, to, to help while he's there, to help be part of Gunner's team. And I do wonder, you know, is this newfound, you know, uh, improvements and, and skill he showed out last time a part of maybe him not having to, you know, be quote-unquote the training partner of Conor McGregor, you know, heading out to Dublin, being a part of that madness, that chaos that was the Conor McGregor show for so long. And still is chaotic. But I, I don't know, man. I, I feel like these two athletes are in a really unique place. Um, and I picked Gunner coming into this fight. Uh, and again, we did our, I did our picks before we got out here. But I picked him coming in. And, and a lot of it was on the strength of how good he did and the fact that I basically perennially undervalue Leon Edwards. But this is a good fight at 170 pounds. I think this is this is a really fascinating matchup because – and I spoke to Leon about it – and. Everybody, when, when people hear the name Gunnar Nelson, they think grappler. He's a, he's a really, really, really good grappler. Right. But if you look at a lot of his fights, he doesn't take people down in the traditional sense. He quite often rocks them on the feet first. That's true. Uh, he's, got, he's got sneaky good striking. He's not going to blast W. He might, he might work the clinch on you. He might work the clinch. Or he, he might hit you and yeah, then do something. He's got this sort of very languid, almost bouncy sort of... Machida-esque almost True. karate style so. about him and, and but he's got heavy hands and when he gets his timing off he does very well I mean I always think back to his win against Brandon Thatch back at UFC 189 Thatch was on an absolute tear he was wrecking people left and right and and Gunnar Nelson just cracked him on the jaw sent him to the mat and then just drowned him yep. and uh, you know I, I don't I don't know if we're going to get that against Leon Edwards I think the thing that we've seen from Leon Edwards uh, when he first joined the UFC he was a talented striker, mm-hmm. uh, and he he got an eight second knockout over Seth Bozinski in his second fight in in Krakow, and uh, but f- I, I, I think I think fairly one dimensional at that point. I think at that point, it was about this guy's a striker, and but then he he lost he, he then won again, and then he fought Usman and got got handled by Usman, and I think that was that was sort of the catalyst for him, mm-hmm. and he's gone on and his game is coming on leaps and bounds and. You look at the names of the people who he's fought and beaten. Tumenov, Tumenov, Luke, Barberina. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at these guys. Tumenov is is legit. Luke is arguably one of the most dangerous strikers, yes. not not highly ranked in the UFC. Brian Barberina is like the Darren Elkins of the welterweight division. Tough as nails. Absolutely hard as nails. Peter Sabota is a legit grappler. Um, and then you've got Donald Cowboy Cerrone, who, you know, he, he needs no explanation. He's been in there with everybody. and That's a resume, man. You know, there may not be that, what you would call, sort of the absolute best of the best top three guys. I mean, Cerrone's obviously the big name on that list, but he isn't what you would call a top three welterweight. He's 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 a, he's an, he's an elite lightweight. Yep. Um, but you look at that list, those guys are legit mixed martial artists um, who have legit you know, sort of legitimate danger when it's their striking or it's their mm-hmm. grappling or whatever. So I'm interested to see how this goes because Leon Edwards is, is an interesting case where it was always a case that Brits had to go abroad to get their wrestling. You know, Brits can't wrestle. That was always the thing. Of course. Uh, we have a wrestler in the first fight of the night. I'll talk, to you. I'll, <laughs> I'll talk about him later. A Commonwealth Games wrestler, no less. But anyway, um, but it was always the accepted wisdom that if you want to get anywhere in the UFC and you're from the UK, you need to go stateside and get, and, and get some wrestling. Leon Edwards bought into that and it didn't work for him. Um, and he came back and he's training almost exclusively, well, I think pretty much exclusively now in the UK, in Birmingham. 
um, renegade uh, team renegade jiu-jitsu um, and it seems to be working he's the same Jim uh, as Tom Breeze who, who also is, is, is on this card and he's, he's getting these good results and I don't think I think because he doesn't make a lot of noise I think people tend to forget about I him agree. and I, I think he's a better fighter than people give him credit for and I think a win over Gunnar Nelson will wake a lot of people up um, but it's far from a given I think Edwards is the better all-round mixed martial artist but I think if you look at um, if you were giving them like uh, like FIFA ratings <laughs> right, right. yeah I think Gunnar Nelson will have the higher peaks so for That's example yeah, so yeah, I, think, I think I think his grappling would be would be a 9 sure Edwards grappling might be a 7 right right but Edwards striking might be an 8 and yeah, so yeah. if you look at so uh, in balance I think Edwards has the skill set to get a win it's a good way to look at it but I think that if it ends up on the mat uh, for any length of time with Gunner on top, I think that's 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 where that 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 little extra Especially extra few percent top. with Gunner is the thing. But I think it, this this fight is going to hinge on one aspect, and it's going to be can Leon Edwards keep the fight standing? If Leon Edwards can keep the fight standing, I think he has the ability to to uh, to outpoint Nelson over three rounds. I agree, but man. it's, it's going to be it's going to be a super close fight. I I love it. I, I love it. It's a big fight at 170 pounds. Uh, the feature fight below that is one that I think you and I both agree that while while Edwards and Nelson is a big fight at 170, Volkan Ozdemir versus Dominic Reyes at 205 has more of an opportunity to have a real immediate impact in the in the title picture. Not Absolutely. necessarily that a, a number one contender will be crowned, but somebody could squeeze their way into a number one contender fight. And I'm intrigued by this fight as well, right? I mean, Volkan Ozdemir... Uh, the, no time, no time. He's got no time. He rushed his way to the top, right, and then had a horrible 2018. You yeah. know, had the two losses, um, dealt with staph infection along the way, two different bouts of staph infection, broke his nose uh, a couple of times. I mean, just had issues all throughout the year. Now he's actually even, and this is interesting, man, he's having some visa issues, so he couldn't train in Florida at Hard Knocks for this. Instead, he had to train back in his home country of Switzerland. He said it was kind of a pro, like it was, you know, it was, it was, Interesting to go back with his old team and to kind of, you know, retrace his roots and, and, and get that feel. Plus, he said, interestingly enough, he's like, on top of that, I didn't really have the training partners that I would normally go with. So because of that, I had to train more on my cardio and I had to really work on my technique, which I think is always not, not always a bad thing. Like, less sparring, more drilling. I don't think that's always a bad thing. Work on refining your technique versus going in there. Like, once you, once you know you've been in a cage fight with top-level people, like – you know how to fight. You need to spar early on, but as you go, I don't think drilling is bad. So I mean, I'm, I'm, but being away from Henry Hoof, man, Henry Hoof, the phenomenal coach, is that a positive or a negative? Meanwhile, he's going against Dominic Reyes, this undefeated, the new no time, right? The new juggernaut that's just rushing, tearing through people. Uh, you know, it just it has these finishes and, and 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 is racking up bigger and bigger wins every single time. Is a physically imposing specimen. Um and, and and is is cool like he's open to say like I want to beat John Jones not I want to be champion like no I want to beat John Jones which at ten and zero in your career I appreciate the fact that you're willing to, to to say I mean the confidence that he walks with and it's not arrogance it's not fake it's self it's true self belief um but he changed camps as well you know he's up at elevation now which an elevation fight team a phenomenal squad there I can't imagine things are gonna get worse so. Man, I'm intrigued by this, right? Because 
two guys that are that are you know in this 205 pound division that have the ability to finish fights quick and they have the ability to do it in several ways, kind of on different trajectories, but still to same point, you know, in that in that upper echelon. I'm I'm intrigued by this fight. Yeah, it's interesting. I know uh, when you spoke to to Vulcan about it during fight week, he was very keen to stress that, yeah, you know, Dominic Reyes is is having a similar route up, but look at the people that Vulcan has fought compared to the people that, right. that Dominic has fought. There's no denying Vulcan has kept a, a high class of company so far. Yep. But if you just look at how the two guys actually fight and how they perform, you've got two very heavy-handed strikers, but they're very different. Um, mm-hmm. Ozdemir, I think, just relies on brute force. Yes. And he uses a lot of um, sort of uh, torque in his punches. He does a lot of his best work right up close. And uh, it, it works a treat. You know, if, if you look at how he knocked out Jimmy Manor and, you know, it was all real close range, you know, loads of torque in his punches. You look at Dominic Reyes. Dominic Reyes is a much more, uh, what I would call, of a traditional boxing style. You know, he, he throws punches correctly. Um, mm-hmm. He's got excellent footwork for a big guy. I mean, like f- for a 205er to move the way he does is super impressive. And don't sleep on his kicks either. He's got some outstanding kicks in his game. I think that's a big advantage for him over Ozdemir. And it, like Ozdemir has the power to completely change your night. So it's it's fascinating because I think Reyes probably holds the technical advantage. Vulcan Ozdemir certainly has fight-ending punch power. So again, it's it's one of those where can Reyes walk Ozdemir onto something because I think he's got the smarts to to, to let let no time move in towards him and, and, and dictate terms a little bit. But it is, it's, 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 it's a really fascinating encounter. And talking to Dominic Reyes, we, I literally only got him for a few seconds at the end of media. Media day was carnage today, by the way. Oh, Absolute carnage. Um, like I remember talking to you from Prague saying how lovely everything was. And it was <laughs> Nobody sailing. there. We had everything was, we wanted. It was great. And then, great and media it, turnout. Great media turnout this week. It oh, was busy. Man. It was absolute bedlam. I mean, it, it was, it was absolutely chaos. And, and, but you know, it was a case of we need to get Dominic Reyes, and they were, I think they're about to start the uh, the face-offs, and we kind of held him there while we asked him a couple of questions. And uh, oh, you were that guy. I was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Someone had to be that guy, and it was me. But yeah, no. So, but even in those couple of questions, he he impressed me hugely because he doesn't seem to have much of an ego about mm-hmm. him. But he's very single-minded. He knows what he wants. He sees his target. I think he knows he's standing in the game and. It's all about hitting the checkpoints and moving your way up. He sees Ozdemir as the next, the next step on the rung, uh, sorry, the next rung on the ladder, so to speak. But as you say, he knows, he knows, he knows what the end game is. He knows what he wants. I said to him, I said, so if you win this, the two most likely opponents for you next are going to be Corey Anderson, or maybe Thiago Santos. Um, and uh, he said, it is looking that way, but you know, I'm looking at John Jones. I love, you know, and, I love that acceptance. And I, I just thought to me, I just sort of grinned and sort of nodded back and thought, I like that. I love it. I man. like that. You know. On the flip side, Vulcan uh, brought us some Swiss chocolate to our interview. So I mean, you, you I wasn't the, here for that. So see, you don't have the you don't have the love for him then. It's it's no. I've I've, <laughs> I've oh, he actually it's funny actually you say that. Um, we had uh, one a, a Polish journalist uh, Paula, um, obviously speaks fluent Polish, being that she's Polish, sure. speaks excellent English. And was conversing happily with Vulcan in French. Um, wow! Uh, before, so so she she chatted. Yeah, French is his first language, right? Yeah, he's Swiss. So yeah. I think I think he's he's French speaking Swiss. Yeah. So so um so she was chatting to him socially in French, 
and then switched to English to do the interview in English. And I was, I just sort of looked at him and shook my head afterwards and said, I'm struggling with English. <laughs> and uh, and he, he, was sort of, he said, I don't want to talk to you then. I said, oh, you've got no time for me, have you? Oh, and he just looked at me. Simon Head will throw a pun at you, dude. There is no... <laughs> no question about that. All right, well, look, uh, I did want to share the audio that I had with Dominic Reyes. I did get a chance to sit uh, down with him yesterday and talk to him as well. Um, and I wanted to share it because, first of all, I had this thing that I wasn't sure if he would bite on or not, but I wondered if he, as kind of the forgotten man of UFC 229, <laughs> might have felt disrespected by how that all went down. And, you know, that was, I thought, one of his big moments to break out, and it just got totally sh- – uh, Pushed to the side. I wasn't sure if he'd go with it, uh, but it was, it was it was interesting. His reaction was interesting, so I definitely wanted to share that. And then, um, of course, just hearing about uh, you know where he sees things. I, I think this is a guy, a name you need to pay attention to at 205 pounds. You know, um, yes, you got you know Tiago Mahata Santos. It looks like he may be next. I mean, you've got uh, you know Johnny Walker making a run. You got Corey Anderson that's been there. I mean, you got people, but this is a name that needs to matter. So uh, here is Dominic Reyes. All right, Tom, I want to ask you about uh, your last fight, man, UFC 229. How bitter are you at that entire experience? Because I feel like that was set up to be, like, your breakout moment. Yep. And, you know, nobody was talking about anything else other than that fight after the fight. So how do you recall that whole experience? So, I mean, the whole experience as a whole was awesome. You know, Vegas... 229 huge media everywhere it was it was a good experience the fight went amazing you know i destroyed osp and then uh we had some extracurriculars in the main event and uh it took away from my shine a little bit and uh it was a little frustrating because i mean that's kind of childish and very immature i mean we're professionals and you're acting like a kid throwing a tantrum you know you won who wins and is a sore winner. Like, <laughs> I've never heard of that before. So, I mean, that was a little bit frustrating for me because my performance was a bit overshadowed by that whole fiasco. And uh, this time, I don't think that's going to happen. We've got constant professionals on this card, and we've got some scrappers, and my performance is not going to be overshadowed. Yeah, I agree with you there. Did it feel like a, a step back at all or a setback for you in some way? I mean... Uh, did it, I guess did it frustrate you immediately after thinking like now I've got to go win another fight or I just completely lost the value of what I did no I mean a win you never lose the value of a win I mean especially a win like that and you go back and look at the film you look at how it went down and that value is forever um, but immediately after and I guess the media's minds and everybody's minds it was kind of lost but we're back now yeah, great attitude. About five months since then. Is that about the right time for you? Had you hoped to get back quicker? Were you enjoying the holidays? What, what, how did the schedule play out? A little bit of both. Uh, I, initially, I wanted to get back a little sooner, but then I realized I enjoy, enjoy my birthday and the holidays and all that stuff. So, yeah. You get a matchup here, Volkan Ozdemir. Give me your thoughts on that matchup because the name recognition, right, is there. I mean, he came in, but he's also coming off the losses. So I feel like there's a kind of a, a balance, whether it's, you know, a great fight for you or a, an okay fight for you. So when they came to you with this name, what did what did you think? Um, so initially I wasn't even, I didn't even think uh, Volkan was on the radar uh, to, for a possible opponent. And they offered me him and I was like, oh, heck yeah, like, perfect. I mean, he fits right into my style. He's It's classic brawler versus kind of boxer matchup, you know, where I'm, I'm mobile and I'm in and out and I'm stick and move and he's just, he wants to plant his feet and just throw bombs. And it fits perfectly in the way I fight, you know. 
I'm gonna make him miss and I'm gonna make him pay. In some ways, it feels like you're almost trying to take his spot. He was the guy that came out of nowhere, right, and, and became on the quick rise. Now, now you're that guy. <laughs> do you feel like you're kind of stealing his spot a little bit here? Uh, it's my spot, man. It's always been my spot. It's never been his spot. Uh, everybody has their time, and this is my time. He had his time. He had his opportunities. He got all the way up to the title fight. Didn't work out for him. So now it's my time to, to rise, and that's exactly what's going to happen. Talk about your prep for this fight at Elevation Fight Team. What what was the, the thinking there, and what was the process like uh, get, getting ready for this one? Um, So it was just time to take the next step for me. Um, I was running out of uh, bodies and, and um, consistency with partners. You know, guys weren't showing up all the time, and I'd have to work out with the 55er today or, you know, or nobody or just the coach. You know, it, was, it started becoming where I was – the only guy committed to it at the time and I, I it that's unacceptable you know I need guys to be there you know teammates that are just as committed to it as I am and now I, I got that at team elevation you know I got Curtis and Neil and you know the, the list goes on and on of guys that are there every day busting their butt make we're all making each other better it's about it's a team effort over there to get better and then plus uh the elevation man you can't you can't beat that I mean, we're training at 5,000 feet every day. I was sleeping at 8,500 feet every day. And it was, it was a great, I got here and it feels like I have an extra pair of lungs. So, I mean, last fight, if you watch the film, I kind of slowed down a bit. Granted, I did throw over 100 strikes in the first round, landed in the first round. So, I mean, a little bit of both, but I just want to eliminate that altogether. You know, cardio is never going to be an issue for me again, so. Do you feel like this is the team moving forward, or do you kind of kind of see how this goes and play it by ear? Or what's what's the idea? Um, moving forward, this is the team, like for now. I mean, I'd like to see how this goes. I mean, so I was very happy with camp. Camp went went great, um, and we'll see what happens. I mean, you you never know what's going to happen in your future, and right now, this is my future. So, no doubt, big moment for you. I mean, get, what is the feeling? Because I feel like you know you've had this rise and you've you've been clear about where you want to go, but now. The name's being mentioned, right? I mean, you had Mahetta slip in. People are, are talking about Johnny Walker as well. But you, Corey Anderson, you know, these names are being up there as the right at the top of the division. I mean, does this feel like a moment where you announce yourself as not just a prospect but, but a real contender? Yeah, I'm no longer a prospect. That's, that's out of the question. I'm, I'm a contender now. There's, there's, I've worked too hard. I have four finishes in the UFC. I'm about to have five. What cases can go against me? You know, and I beat, so Cannoneer was top 15, uh, OSP was top, top five at the time when I signed the contract, now Vulcan is top five. I mean, what else do I got to do? And all those guys were former title challengers, you know? Do they want me to fight Smith? You know, like, who else? Like, I get it, but I'm, it's my turn, you know? You let yourself think about the matchup with John Jones. Do you, you let yourself <laughs> dream about that a little bit? Uh, not not at the, at the moment. Right now, I mean, the whole camp's all been about Vulcan. My whole my, my all my focus has been on Vulcan. But I mean, my whole coming up from the beginning has been John. You know, when I was throwing punches early on, it'd be like, well, that works against Jim from whoever. But that's not gonna work against John. So it, it's always been to perfect everything, so that when I fight John, I'm ready. All right, so this will be a big step towards that for sure. As you said, those top names, 
How, how do you see this one going down? I mean, you feel like you got to go out there and do something special to elevate your name, or is this just to, you know, pick up another win? What's what's the plan? At this point, I just got to win. You know, five in a row is five in a row, period. You know, that's – you beat Vulcan, that's another guy put you in the top five. And who's ahead of me? Maheta Smith. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see it. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to get down, man. Either way, I'm, I'm, I'm coming out, and I'm, I want to put on a show. You know, I'm a performer. I love performing. I love hitting. I, I love being hit. <laughs> as weird as that sounds, <laughs> but I like it, man. This is, I live for this shit. So. That was Dominic Reyes. All right, let's get down to uh, I, because again, we're talking about depth of this card. So let's round out the main card: Jose Quinones versus Nathaniel Wood. Jose Quinones is a guy that's got a little win streak, man. They're totally flying on the radar. He doesn't speak English. Uh, he hails from Mexico, which is still you know a developing country to, to say the least. They haven't had a TV deal uh, of, to speak of as of late. So I mean, I know the UFC had kind of pulled out of Mexico a little bit in terms of live events. I think they'll go back there next year. Uh, but, you know, he's, he's got some respect, but he's coming in on this as as definitely the opponent, right, to Nathaniel Wood, the man they call the prospect, uh, a guy that I know you've, you've followed his career, um, you know, made some waves in his debut. But um, tell me, man, is, is, is Nathaniel Wood, is this, I mean, is this guy the real deal? I think, I think in terms of what we've got coming out of the UK, I think he really is. I think he, he's got... He's got excellent support around him. You know, he's he's a protege of Brad One Punch Pickett, who has been there, seen seen Legend. it, and done it all. Legend. Done it all. Um, and I uh, asked him in media day today. I said, uh, you know, when was your first O2 experience? And he said he was in the stands watching Brad One Punch Pickett fight Neil Siri. Amazing. Which was a cracker of a fight. That's amazing. Um, and uh, now here he is. He's going to be in the cage fighting. While well, the guy he watched from the stands will be in his corner, so that's a nice little that's, uh, awesome. that's a nice little story. And uh, but yeah, Nathaniel Wood, he's 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 superb. And the thing about him is, and and maybe this will be his undoing at some point, but he's happy to put himself in harm's way to do harm to his opponent. True. You know, he he will he will take risks in the cage, which sometimes you see fighters who are unwilling to do that. He's one of those guys you put him on the card much. Really cut from similar cloth to the man who uh, who's become his mentor, you know. Yep. There's a little bit of that that one punch magic is rubbed off on uh, on on Nathaniel Wood, and uh, he went he went through Cage Warriors and some of the wins he got in Cage Warriors. Is a, you know, I would urge everybody. Can you get back back issues of Cage Warriors on yeah, Fight Pass? Yeah, it's all archived there. Go back to Cage Warriors '86, which was in September 2017. He fought a Welsh bantamweight by the name of Josh Reed, who basically smoked everybody he'd, he'd faced leading up to the title fight between the pair. And Reed was lighting him up like a Christmas tree in that fight. And then Wood just came flying back. Uh, it was one of the wildest one-round fights you will ever see. Uh, and it happened at the O2, but in the Indigo, in which, the Indigo is, the which is the smaller thing. So all the fans are standing up and the cage is up on a stage. It's a great place to watch fights. And... Um, that fight was absolutely phenomenal, absolutely brilliant fight, and uh, I think Mark, Mark Goddard ref the fight, and uh, it was it was an incredible fight. That, in a nutshell, is what you get from from Nathaniel Wood. He will stand with you 
for as long as he thinks he can stand with you. He will stand, but he can mix things up. He's got submissions as well. He's predominantly known as a striker, but his last two wins in the UFC have come via come via choke submission. So he's got that in his game as well. And uh, he's developing, and I, I'm very excited about him. I mean, you look at that bantamweight division. It's pretty oh, exciting. Right now. It's weird at the top. You've got some weirdness going on at the top. You've got the, the bantamweight champion of the world wants to move down and fight for the flyweight <laughs> belt. You've got the flyweight champion of the world wants to move up and fight for the bantamweight belt. They might just as well just swap belts and be done with it. 135 is exciting, right? man. But you've got like Peter Yans moving up through the division. You know, you've and I hope they keep those Lineker two apart. Lineker's up there. You've got some incredible fights. And the bantamweights, it's weird because the flyweights, you sort of never really got any shine. But the bantamweights uh, are so exciting right now. You know, uh, you know, the Cody Garbrandt uh, Munoz fight the other day was an incredible fight. One of the absolutely amazing fight. There's so much to be uh, excited about at 135 pounds. And I think Nathaniel Wood, he's not, he's not rushing himself. He's not, you know, he, he says he's not, he's not a contender yet. Right. Um, I said, when are you going to change your name from the prospect to the contender? <laughs> he said, I'm not changing my name until I get the gold belt. Ah. He said, I'm the I'll prospect. The prospect I'm, the, the champ. I'm the prospect until I'm the champ. Right. So, That's awesome. so, you know, he he's not getting ahead of himself. He doesn't have an ego, uh, Nathaniel Wood. He's he's a proper London boy. He's he's confident, but he's not cocky. And uh, he's gonna. You wait till you hear the reception he gets on fight night. It is gonna be it's gonna be one of the biggest receptions of the night. Trust me. I love it, Danny. Hot chocolate, Roberts. Phenomenal, phenomenal. There versus <laughs> Claudio Silva. Who, interestingly enough, you know, Claudio Silva. I knew he you know lived and trained here in London, yeah. but what I didn't realize he said. I can literally see the O2 from my apartment, like I'm yeah. overlooking. So, uh, Claudio Silva, a guy that took you know years away because of some issues that were going on, came back and had a phenomenal performance in Liverpool. He he, he submitted Nordin Taleb in, in the first round, yeah. which I think was rather unexpected by pretty much everybody. Uh, phenomenal performance there. Uh, was supposed to fight later in the year, lost that fight, but now he's back. Um, so he's you know a, still a bit of a, a wild card, a mystery, so to speak. Uh, and then fighting Danny Roberts, who uh, has shown flashes of brilliance, but then has also had some setbacks as well. So yeah. um, this fight, while it might not mean a whole lot in terms of rankings, I feel like there's definitely some intrigue in that I don't know we know exactly what to expect. Yeah, Danny Roberts is kind of interesting because you've got three British welterweights on this main card, and he's he's kind of flying under the radar a little bit. But, I mean, if you just look at the individual fights, if you went back and looked at the back catalogue of these guys' fights – there aren't many more exciting British fighters on the UFC roster than, than Danny Roberts. Some of the wars he's been in, and they, you know they've not all gone his way. I remember the Mike Perry fight at UFC 204 was an incredible fight, which he ended up losing. But he has had some incredible fights. It's really interesting because he's had some. He's had a couple of really tricky assignments. Like his last fight, he fought a guy called David Zawada, who was a KSW veteran. Who came in and incredibly? It's like a weeks. Kind of a tough of, unknown. Man. Yeah, I mean, and and Danny knew basically nothing about him, and I remember talking to him after that fight, and he won by split decision, and called out Neil Magny and got a little bit of heat online for it, um, but to go in there fighting blind, so sort of so to speak, having prepared for twelve weeks for his original opponent. He went in there and he had to kind of work things out through the fight. I guess the guy was pretty dangerous and had scored a lot of finishes on his record. He got the win. Now they've given him another really intriguing test because Claudio Hannibal Silva has fought once since 2014. And that fight only lasted four and a half minutes. So he's got four and a half minutes of recent tape. Yep. Anything before that is pretty old. So um, 
I mean, Silva's record is pretty pretty damn good. But if you look at his sort of recent record, he's had one fight, four and a half minutes, and he, he got a good win. But so again, he's not fighting blind, Danny Roberts. But again, he, he's he's dealing with a guy he's not got a huge amount of of uh, prior knowledge of really. Um, but Danny's one of those guys. He always rises to the occasion on home soil. He always puts in a great performance. I know being at home inspires him uh, in 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 a very special way in terms of how he performs. He takes it very very personally. Uh, when he's fighting on home soil, that he it means more to him to win here. Yeah. Uh, and I think he, can, he comes from an excellent camp. That gym is on a high right now. You know, Hard Knocks 365, they've got world champions from organizations all over the world. Kamaru Usman's just rocked up at the gym with a shiny new gold belt. So every, everything's on a high right now. And uh, hope, you know, I think Danny Roberts is hoping a little bit of that, that feel good factor will rub off on him. And he can go in there on fight night and get himself another spectacular win. The last time he was in London, he fought uh, Oliver Enkamp, who was a Swedish prospect that was getting a lot of a lot of love from of from, love. from Sweden heading yep. in. And uh, our sweet resident Swede raises his can in, in acknowledgement. <laughs> and then Danny Roberts turned his lights out in spectacular fashion. Pair. So uh, it was it was it was a, a fantastic performance. So I'm I'm looking forward to that fight. I think it's going to be a tricky one. Because uh-huh. I think Silver's just going to want it on the mat as quickly as possible. Yep. Um, so, but yeah, Danny Roberts when he when he gets down to it, he's one of the most exciting guys, and he'll want to steal a little bit of the show on on that main card. The main card starts off with Jack Marshman versus John Phillips. Interesting, right? Because here you go, uh, two Welshmen going at it, right? Which it's funny because you think about uh, you know when countries are kind of developing, right? When they only have a handful of people or you know a couple of people, you know you you, you kind of want to build each other right or like build the whole scene and instead like this fight has been kind of brewing for a while and uh so so that part of it intrigues me and i want you to kind of explain to me why this makes sense because i think in a lot of ways when you hear the hell is wales versus Wales, like brazil versus brazil in brazil took like 10 years for people to finally go okay it's okay for us to match up brazilians you know the welsh have barely cracked into the ufc and now they're ready to fight each other already so that's intriguing and then just the stylistic matchup because, you know, Phillips has had kind of a, a rough go so far, but it's because people have said, look, I'm not going to stand and trade with you, you idiot. I'm taking you down. And he's like, come on, stand and trade with me. And as he as he said today, you know, they're, they're shooting from the changing room, which was a, Such br- a good line. brilliant line. He's like, dude, they're, they're, they're not even making the walk, man. They're just shooting a takedown from the locker room. That was great. Uh, and then, you know, you talked to Marshman, who I think basically in code was basically telling you, I'm not saying I'm going to stand a trade, you know. I, I might take it down, but why does this why does this fight make sense? Because it did seem weird to me when they first announced it, Wales versus Wales. But it, it seems like these guys have been kind of kind of wanting this fight. Yeah, if you take a look back at these these two Welshmen's careers, that there there are parallels all the way along. Um, Jack Marshman is a former Bama uh, middleweight champion or uh, a Bama Lonsdale champion, which is like the British champion. Um, Phillips won the world uh, Bama title um, and uh, Marshman went on and won the Cage Warriors title as well and Marshman got his shot in the UFC before Phillips Phillips is a former Commonwealth Games boxer uh, before he started MMA and that's pretty much what he still is you know he's, right. He, right without basically he, he, he if, it, if it ain't broke don't fix it it's right. kind of Arguably, he could do with a bit more, uh, you know, uh, takedown defense. Arguably, because if he could, if he can guarantee the fight standing, then then he's he's a lot of fun to watch. Yep. Jack Marshman, as, as as you mentioned, alluded to me that 
the smart play here is to mix things up a bit. <laughs> and but I've watched Jack Marsh called for shoot in and take him down. Well, yeah, but <laughs> but let's not let's let me be honest with you. I've watched Jack Marshman fight for many many years, many many years, and this is a guy who once the fight starts and punches start getting thrown. He's just having a tear up. I mean, this could turn into rock'em sock'em robots within a very quick space of time. And and Marshman's a former army boxing champion, I think. John Phillips, Commonwealth Games boxer. Both of them love to throw punches. Marshman did say, I think my boxing skills are good enough to keep out the way of his and catch him. So there's that little bit of uh, competitive rivalry there. But what happened was Marshman got his call up to the UFC first. And Phillips, who really wanted to get into UFC, immediately started going to social media saying... I want to face Jack Marshman. If you think he's the best middleweight that we've got in Wales, think again. It's me. And he, he used a lot of that in his early his early, uh, his early early hustings, so to speak, right. to try and campaign to get into the UFC. And he did, he's done some crazy stuff on social media to get get noticed. And eventually it worked and he got his, he got his call. But he's been frustrated. He's been fighting guys who, shock horror, haven't wanted to stand with him because he's a knockout king, right? right? He just finishes people. So Marshman is far more likely to have a tear-up I joke with him today at Media Day that every single fight I see you in, Jet, you end up getting absolutely smashed to bits. Your face is swollen. You've got black eyes. You're cut up, and all the rest of it. And he's like, "Yeah, that's just what I do. This it happens every time, and you know, and this is going to be another one of those." I pray Jack Marshman doesn't shoot for a takedown because if it doesn't, we are going to have a hell of a fight. Let me tell you. I think this main card is going to be a lot of fun, man. I really do. Uh, the whole event streams on ESPN Plus, so it's kind of funny when it when the whole thing's on ESPN Plus. Kind of like the old Fight Pass card. It's like, does even really matter if their prelims are main? But one I, word, though. I do think the main pacing. The pacing should be good. It's been good, man. It's been better. Yeah. I've definitely liked the ESPN era so far. All right, let's talk about the prelims real quick. Um, no, no, no surprise, I guess, if you um, if you watch uh, the, the the YouTube channel, the USC or the MMA Junkie YouTube channel, because um, I always talk to a couple people on the prelims, man. I like to kind of get a little heartbeat of what's going on there. But the people I picked out, the two fights that stand out to me: Marty Casey versus Joe Duffy. First of all, um, with Joe Duffy involved, especially, man, I, I think this could be a main card type fight. Um, but you know he's he's coming back after a long time away. Uh, you know he, he's had some injuries. He's had to deal. With. He's coming back. Meanwhile, Mark Diacasey, I'm really intrigued by because uh, man, this dude, I, I was high on him. I get it, man. His game has limitations. You know what I mean? But he's exciting, right? And it was part of this kind of you know wave of African-born fighters. You know, and, and you started thinking about man, well, oh, dude, what about him and Nuganu and Usman? Now those guys are. You know, fighting at a higher level, but still, you're thinking about these people. You know, fighting on a card, and Diakazi, when he's at his best, is 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 capable of incredible things. Three fight losing streak, you know, and now he's 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 gone away from ATT. He's not training the ATT anymore. He's he's back here in England and saying, you know, I feel better here. I'm happier here, and I know he has kids here, and I, I, I'm sure that's a huge portion of it, man. Being away from your family is, is a difficult sacrifice, as I can definitely attest, you know. Um, but I'm intrigued. I'm I'm really really intrigued by this fight. Uh, because of kind of where both these guys are in their career. And I think it's stylistically, I think even if you took all that out of the equation, even if you just said, hey, man, uh, this guy, it's, he's making his debut. His name's Mark Diacasey. This guy's making his debut. It's Joe Duffy. Their styles are going to be fun. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that one. I'm also really, really intrigued by Tom Breeze versus Ian Ian Heinish. Uh, Tom Breeze, uh, I, I, man, this guy, it's fun. And I actually got him to smile this week, which which really made me excited because I've talked to him before and I can tell he hates media, man. Just does not care at all. 
But I, I feel like it's kind of a weird comparison, but I almost feel like he's he's got this GSP level commitment to like martial arts and you know what I mean? Like I feel like he's I think mentally like he's on that level. Not that I'm trying to say that, you know, he's gonna become the greatest middleweight of all time. You know, just as he was a great I'm not saying that, but he has this just connection to martial arts and to bettering himself and to studying. I was actually saying after I talked to him, I think he would be like a, a great commentator because of his knowledge of the sport, except that I think he has no desire to talk or be on camera. Um, so I think that – but I'm, I'm intrigued by him. I mean, he looked phenomenal. Again, another guy that, that, that had a layoff for a very different reason, you know, came back and looked great last time out. He's facing Ian Heinish, who – Man, that guy, his backstory, man, this, you know, locked up abroad and all this. I mean, incredible. And now carries himself with this confidence, you know, and not, not you know, had, his story was well told and it was amazing. And, 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 he, and he made his way through the contender series. Then he fights Caesar Fajeda, you know, a veteran, a, a killer, comes in, you know, deals with issues and then battles back, shows his heart. So to me, those are the two fights that I'm most, I think, really fired up about on the prelims um what about you man are they give me the give me the highlights of things that you're intrigued about in there yeah the dear casey duffy fight absolutely leaps off the page the thing with dear casey that i find interesting we mentioned uh leon edwards earlier and how when he went over to uh aka and he kind of lost his mojo over there and then he came back and he's training at home and he's he's seen things pick up again i'm seeing sort of echoes of that with Mark Ducasey. He he was a spectacular, borderline wild striker. Right. He'd throw stuff that you just didn't expect. And and it was wouldn't always connect, but when it did, it was like lights out Those stuff. Those little two-touch kicks that he throws. I oh, mean, the, Timu pa- oh. the Timu Pakalan fight was just like watching someone playing a video game. Oh. It, was, it was mad. But since that fight, we've not really seen that. Mm-hmm. He's almost, it's almost as if AKA have tried to... Which was at the O2, by the way. It right? was at the O2. Bring that mojo back. There you go. So, but I think it's almost like AKA sort of tried to mold him into the stereotypical mixed martial arts fighter. Sort of just knock off those edges, those crazy edges. And they lost the essence of what Mark Casey is and who he is. So I'm hoping um, that what we see on Saturday night is a return to the... The wild man, Mark Casey, who will throw spinning kicks from all over the place. And that will make for a really interesting contrast because Joseph Duffy's striking fundamentals are right tech- there. Yes, He's technical. got a professional boxing record. He's been yes. in there and done this properly. So you've got two oh. wildly different striking styles. And you could see Duffy picking Mark Casey apart as he throws something spectacular and just times him and almost yes. knocks him in midair. Yep. Or... You could have Diakazi will just do something completely off the wall and will just knock knock Duffy cold. It's 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 one of those where it could go either way, but I know what I'm going to get with Joe Duffy because yep. he's technically outstanding, uh, and what we need to see from him is just more of him in in the cage. We just ho- hopefully his his health stays with him and he doesn't pick up knocks now and he can go on the run of regular fights. Diakazi, I just want to see him get his mojo back. So so that'll be interesting for him. Arnold Allen is someone who's flown completely under the radar this week. He really has. But he he's on a, he's he's on a good run and and you know he's got himself a tough test in Jordan Ronaldo. That's going to be a difficult test. If he gets past that one with flying colours, then you know I think there's bigger things ahead for him. Breeze, the point about Tom Breeze is he's in the right weight class now. Mm-hmm. Competing at welterweight, you know he was having to have ridiculous. He, you know he was he was fighting the scale first, and if he had any energy left, he would then fight in a cage. You know what I mean? It was like that and. 
But against Heinisch, and uh, big shout out to Laura Sanko because it was Laura Sanko that told his story, Ian Heinisch's story during the Contender Series, and did it in such a beautiful way yeah. um, that you couldn't help but buy into his story and his journey and, and what he's doing. So, you know, that's one of those. I, I, I see that as a battle between two of the sports good guys, if you like. You know, two guys who are, you know, who are really trying to do things the right way. Danny Henry versus and, Danny Egan. And. Just shout out to Laura Senko. Shout out to who who came over and said hello earlier when I was in the hotel. So uh, <laughs> she's awesome. Hi. So uh, so so that was all good. Yeah. And uh, Danny Henry, is, it'd be interesting to see how he does. Last time we mm. saw him, uh, he uh, was in London and he, he subbed uh, Hakeem Dawada in like thirty-five yes. seconds or something. That was quick. He's facing Dan Ige, who's on good good form right now. That's going to be a good test. Uh, then you've got Molly McCann. But I want to mention the first fight of the night, if I can. Uh, Nad Naramani is former Cage Warriors uh, featherweight featherweight champion or lightweight champion? I think it was featherweight champion. He beat Paddy Pimblett. Paddy Pimblett was the, the you know Liverpool rising star. He was the guy. The party man. You know He had all the crowd going crazy. And they brought in Nad Naramani, teak tough veteran from Bristol, who absolutely bossed it and, and won the fight at a I think it was it was like one of those fifty forty five type fights. He just he won every minute of every round pretty much, and uh, and and uh, got the call up to the UFC. He's fighting Mike Grundy now. Mike Grundy um, is a long time teammate and friend of Darren Till. Uh, he, I think he doubles up as Darren Till's wrestling coach. Uh, Grundy picked up the bronze medal in the twenty fourteen Commonwealth Games uh, in in wrestling. So he it's an Englishman with wrestling, John. So what? You know, they do exist and nah. they do exist. Naramani's actually, uh, he's someone who uses wrestling a lot in his game as well. Um, so that would be an interesting one. I'm just delighted to see Mike Grundy get his chance. And I know Darren Till, every time you get him on the, on, on any kind of interview and you talk to him for long enough, he will eventually talk about Mike Grundy and how he deserves his chance. He's getting his chance. So Grundy will walk out at the start of the night and injury permitting, he'll walk out again at the end of the night to be part of Darren Till's corner, so you know that's that's interesting too. The the emotional play into the main event. I yeah. mean, if Grundy wins, now granted, there's going to be five hours between the the fights, you yeah. know, so it's not like it's going to be right then. But you know, if if Grundy loses, you know, does Till feel like ah, my guy? I mean, mm. I'm sure he'll. I'm sure Till, you know, he's got more at stake. He'll he'll block it out. Mm. But you think about, you know, I always think about like the. Uh, you know, the night in Dublin where SBG was just like on oh, fire yeah. leading into the Connor, and it just felt like everybody was feeding off each other's performance. You know, you wonder if, if, if something like that could happen where we're like, yes, it's not going to be the same, but if a win or a loss could, you know, emotionally impact Till going into that main. That's event. it. And it's, it's, it's kind of like a UK versus the rest of the world card. We've got, we've got 13 UK fighters on the card. Wow. And I believe nine fights are. Involve a UK fighter versus a rest of the world fighter. So, I like it. Um, so that would be an interesting tally to uh, to keep track of over the course of the night. You know how Claudio will... Silva is going to get booed within viewing distance of his house. That would be weird. <laughs> yeah, he's it, it's kind of weird because because Claudio Silva is Brazilian but lives and trains in London. Right. Danny Roberts is born in London but trains in Florida. <laughs> so. <laughs> But, you know, it, it, so it's... They, the crowd's just going to claim... If they're an educated crowd, they'll just claim whoever's winning, basically. Yeah, I think so. I think I think everyone's a winner on that particular fight. That's but, awesome. Yeah, and, and we're guaranteed a Welsh winner as well, which is always good. You know, the, you know, the guys... The <laughs> Wales guys can the, rejoice one way or the other. But, it's, uh, you know, we talked about the strength and depth of this card. Um, and it really is... It might not have... 
it might not be the biggest main event we've ever had. Right. We've had some big main events in the UK sure. down the years, you know, uh, and no, you know, none, I mean, none bigger oh. than Bisping Anderson Silva. Bisping Anderson Silva, you know? worth shouting out. Just saying, one of, I mean, no, literally, like it, it honestly might be my favorite fight of all time. It's it was mad. definitely one of my favorite fights of all time. But I mean, you and I were sitting right next to each other that night. Uh, man, just the ebbs and flows of that fight. I remember, and I, I remember vividly, man. At the end of the round, when when it was knocked out, and and we were kind of debating, and and and, and you, he, he was like, "Is the fight over?" And I'm like, "No, Simon, it's not over." But but don't worry, it's not going to matter. You know <laughs> what I mean? He's going to come out here, and he's going to like, and then it didn't. I mean, oh, just the the emotion in that building was was amazing. So that I think that would probably be. It would definitely be my favorite O2 fight of of all time, but that's yeah. that's one of my favorites of all time. Yeah, definitely. And I remember that fight like it was yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I remember the day I got I got told that that fight was happening. It was Christmas Eve, and I'm sitting down for dinner at my house. Uh, uh, sorry, my parents' house, and I, I I got a phone call saying, "Side, you want a bit of news?" I'm like, "What?" And they went, "Michael Bisping, Anderson Silva." Ah, I like and that. I was like, sorry. I was like, I was like, right, dinner. Leave. Sorry, what? dinner's in the microwave. I've got something to write. So, and uh, it was. It was like a Rocky movie, mm, and and it was. and I I do remember at the time when Bisbing won that fight, and like when he got knocked down, yeah, I think a lot of people thought that that's it. He can't possibly carry on from this. Yeah, uh, and he came back and he won the fifth round. Amazing. He won the f- he, he dropped silver in in the first or second round. I can't remember which. Got badly badly rocked at the end of the fourth. Came back and won the fifth, and the roar that went up. When he was announced as the winner, it was one. Of, it's probably the loudest I've ever heard yeah. in a British arena. Yeah. And uh, I remember talking to my dad because my dad sort of occasionally follows what I do. Um, doesn't profess to be an expert. He loves watching boxing, but because it was on UK time, he watched it. And uh, he messaged me and with like one simple message saying, "Bisbing has got balls like grapefruits." You know, it like for him to come back and win that fight. So. Back to this fight card. We might not be the biggest main event we've ever had, but top to tail, if you look at the card, we've got some really, really good competitive matches. If you're a British fight fan, this is like manna from heaven for you because there's something for you almost in every fight on the card. If you're just a fan of well-matched, exciting matchups and fights that are very, very likely to produce finishes, and I'm probably putting the curse on this card by saying this, <laughs> and believe me, I've got previous, um, but... This 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 is shaping up to be a pretty a pretty uh, a pretty spectacular card. I think we have got some great matchups top to bottom, and uh, yeah, we've I'm I'm very very excited about the top three fights on the card. I think it's gonna be fun, man. I really do. All right, uh, quick news items, real quick. Uh, before like literally just moments before we sat down and started recording, uh, I should say that the MMA Junkie staff had been working uh, behind the scenes on reports that uh, Nate Diaz and Cowboy Cerrone were gonna be hooking up in Chicago. Uh, we were trying to, to 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 figure out if that was true or not. Uh, unfortunately, I was told that by a UFC official, basically behind the scenes, uh, that the fight that Nate Diaz called and asked for the fight. They were like, "Yes, we'll do the fight." Offered it to Cowboy. Cowboy said, "I'll take the fight." And then when it came time for for Nate to sign the agreement, contract wasn't signed. Nobody could get a hold of anybody, and and they basically said he's gone radio silent, and they can't get a hold of anybody. So um, when it comes to those smiley faces the other day, I, I think that's what it was because right there was a, 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 a and I didn't clarify that, but there was a Dana White uh, smiley face, and there was like a Cowboy Cerrone smiley face, um, and it sounded like that was the fight that was going to happen, but it's not going to happen. And uh, listen, the UFC official I spoke to is like, I am not convinced that either of the Diaz brothers will ever fight again 
Uh, they are offered fights all the time, and they turn them down. And in this situation, not only was the fight offered, the fight was requested, and it still didn't happen. So uh, bizarre there. And in a bit of personal news, I started out uh, with a little toot toot of my own horn. I'll give I'll give one more little toot. Uh, I can't share the exact details just yet, but uh, I'm getting back into the fight commentary game, which I'm excited about, man. Uh, for I had to get out of it. It's something that I used to really, really love to do. Um, I did a lot of Tough Enough back in the day. You know, got the opportunity to talk to or, or to commentate uh, fights for people like Ronda Rousey in her amateur days, Ryan Couture, Alan Joban. I mean, a lot of amateurs came through Vegas, and I, and I was lucky enough to do that. Um, and, and I did some some pro stuff as well. You know, Titan FC was kind enough to to, to have me out. Uh, you know, there were, there were there were a couple organizations that I worked with, and then unfortunately there were some contractual issues with with uh, USA Today, and I had to and, and I had to walk away from it. Uh, but those have been worked out, and so uh, I can't share the news because it will be shared soon, and it's not my place. But I will say I'm getting back into the fight commentary game, so I'm I'm pretty excited. You about left that. out the lingerie fighting championships, by the way. Oh well, see the lingerie fighting championships. By the way, uh, myself and Cole Coffee will be doing a couple live events that will stream on YouTube. Oh wow! Uh, in the oh, coming wow. months, in uh, in 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 Vegas. I mean, see, see, I I got away with that because that's like it's. Well, I don't want to say it's more like pro wrestling, but, you know, it's... It's like a busman's holiday, but you're not going too far. That's it, that's it, exactly. That's all I'm say about that. So, <laughs> if you're into the Lazarine Fighting Championships, we'll be doing some more of that, too. <laughs> Who would turn down that gig? They're going to pay you to go talk about women fighting in lingerie? It's dirty work, my friend, but someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. All right, listen, uh, speaking of someone's got to do it, there are frosty beverages to be consumed, and in approximately three hours at least in uh, terms of where we are in London, it will be my birthday. So we better enjoy it a little bit. Actually, I'm going to try to be responsible and get a little bit of sleep. We got early weigh-ins in the morning. We got ceremonial weigh-ins in the afternoon. We got a Q&A with Ben Askren. I imagine there might be a quotable moment or two out of that. JoJo Calder was going to be there, and I love her, but I got to think Ben Askren is <laughs> going to be getting the majority of the questions. I did hear, by the way, uh, there was consideration about bringing Kamaru Usman over here as well as a guest fighter. Um, but, you know, the injuries, he had that surgery and he wasn't able to go. But I had heard that that was a possibility. That would have been a lot of fun. But I had also heard that there was a lot of concern, like, do we really want to have all these guys in the same building at the same time? And uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting discussion to have because Colby would just show up at it, that point, wouldn't it, he? Yeah, at that point, Colby's definitely getting on a plane <laughs> and coming over here, too, so it would be crazy. All right, listen, uh, yeah, UFC on ESPN Plus 5. I think it's going to be dope. We'll have full coverage. In the meantime, thanks for listening.